This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. I'm Sean Helch, and I'm joined by Dan Gillette and Jason Moog. Each of us serve in different roles as pastors at Valley Bible Church. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Okay, welcome to the Behold podcast, dear listener. As you just heard, you have Sean and Dan and the one and only Jason Moog today. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hey. Hi, guys. <laughs> nice. Oh, very, very apt of you. Um, that was very, like, dad dad jokey. Mm-hmm. Or middle schooly, right? Okay. Hey. I like the dad joke. That, that was middle school Jason, yeah. You guys got to teach me your dad joke ways. I got eight weeks to go here, so. Oh, it'll come. It's just yeah. not, it'll it'll come upon you. Yeah, you don't even have don't to even try. Have to. It's in you already. It right. just it'll come out. I do me. think my dad bod is coming along nicely, but uh, <laughs> oh, got to work on up. dad jokes. You were just talking about you went on a sixty mile mountain oh boy ride of, with five thousand feet of climbing on a bike that had a broken brake. So don't don't give me you yeah, look you're you look, fine. Oh, you're, you're lean and you're mean like a dad and, ninja bod. Yeah, seriously. Anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just talk about that. So yeah, Patty and I, uh, this last weekend had an amazing, amazing time away. We snuck away for a little, uh, quote unquote baby moon as I believe they're called these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's 32 weeks pregnant. And so I was just telling Dan before the podcast, it's just funny how your itinerary looks a little different in that state. You know, Patty mm-hmm. can walk across a parking lot and that's about it. So <laughs> Uh, we did a lot of resting and relaxation, but it was just a, a wonderful time away. So I'm jazzed to be back and feeling refreshed. What about you, fellas? I'm just picturing you guys doing the the 60 mile ride on a tandem bike with her 32 weeks <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the baby. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm game. That's wild. <clears throat> no, I, we're I'm well. I think Dan's well. Are you well, Dan? No, I'm t- doing terribly. That's not true. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, yeah, I've got, I've got really no reason to complain. You know, the the Gillette house is rocking and rolling, and uh, going to be celebrating Emily's birthday in about a week. And we have a lot of birthdays in in February. It's it's Emily's birthday, her sister and her mom's birthday. Uh, our youngest son Cohen is also born in February, so uh, it's like birth birthday month, special month. Yeah, exactly. So. We're, we've been doing good. Yeah, we're um, we're uh, we're really enjoying life. I will say this on on Monday on the holiday, I uh, I went and played some basketball with some young whippersnappers from the church. Questers, and, uh, some questers. Okay. Yep. Some uh, one guy a little younger, a uh, high schooler, and then um, yeah, we we played for like two and a half hours, and uh, it was a really really fun time. But I I'm just now getting to the point where I can walk again. <laughs> <laughs> you, I was gonna say you're feeling, you're feeling yeah, it. Yeah, feeling it, feeling it. But but it was nice to get out there, and uh, it was pretty epic. We were we were like playing in the rain at some points because it was kind of stormy that day. But what, anyway. where did you go? What what uh, court? Yeah, there's these courts out in Livermore, Cayetano uh, Park, mm. the Cayetano Park, and it's kind of like on a little hill. You can overlook the valley a little bit. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's jump in. Yeah, dude, let's do it. Let's talk about love. What's love, What's love got, to got to do? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You go. <laughs> so if you um, were with us on Sunday, then you heard the wonderful David Sunman teach about God's design for his people, you know, his design for his church. And he titled his teaching built for love. 
And so today's topic on the podcast will be uh, at the same time a simple topic. It's going to be love. But then with that, man, it's so complex. And God's design for how he loves us and then how we're not able to love others is just so incredible and so many just avenues for us to talk about. So just to open it up, when you guys think about just that title, Built for Love, what does that spark in you? When you think about love and different types of love, what does that what does that do for you? Well, I, I think the first thing we need to talk about is, man, that just that word L O V E, right? In in our in our uh, culture and just historically, even like what what do, it carries so much, uh, you know, di- different meanings for for different people, and and um, I think it'd be really good for us to just maybe have a conversation like. What is, you know, how is love defined, like from a biblical standpoint, you know, and what is, what is God's um, definition for that word? Because I think culture and society, um, I don't know, maybe it might not line up with what, with what God's definition is or what, when, when, when the Bible uses that term, you know? Um, so Jason, what do you think? I mean, like, uh, I, I know you've, you've taught before just about love from a biblical standpoint and. I don't know, maybe you can kind of help us get the conversation going so that we can think about it um, almost like have the right launch point, you know? Sure, yeah. <clears throat> I I recently spoke at the with my wife at the HSM high school ministry a couple weeks ago, and so I was reviewing some notes because we were taught their their theme, you know, they're talking about love and for the month this month, and I was reviewing some old notes on um, different passages that have impacted me or I've taught on and and impacted me, and so I was. I got some notes here, and I was looking at in First First John. That's where that's where that First John four eight is where it. The Bible says that God is love, and um, just in that passage, I, I was looking at these notes. First John, those of you who want to read it, maybe some other time. Um, listening, you listeners. First John four seven through twenty one, and we took two weeks um, some years ago to kind of teach through that as we were teaching through the book of First John and. So 1 John 4, 7 through 21, in those verses, those are 29 verses, John mentions love, uh, or sorry, there are 15 verses, and John mentions love 29 times. So he's, that's a lot, right? 29. That sounds like a like quite the ratio. <laughs> so 29 times in 15 verses, so he's definitely got a theme here. And and I'm just looking at these notes, I, I, had, I wrote um, a warning to parents, and I want to read it to you guys, see, see what you guys think about this. So... Um, I wrote, warning to parents, if you do not define the word love for your children, the world will readily do it for you. Hmm. Pinterest, if you look up Pinterest, and here's some some facts here, and you, if you were to type in love is, uh, you know, you guys, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but like I did it for the sermon, and just millions, hundreds and hundreds of thousands, millions of things came up, but of different, but lots of different definitions on what love is. So if you're looking for the right definition of love, you're not going to find it there because it's all these different ones. If you're looking for a cohesive one, then you look at media and literature, and then I have this quote about the music where I said the Beatles, the Beatles said all that you need is love and that you can't buy love. And, uh, Another artist wrote, Love Lifts Us Up Where We Belong. You guys know that one? Yeah. You remember that song? Oh, yeah. Uh, Britney Spears said, Toxic love it can be a positive thing. Katy Perry said, Love should be completely unbridled. There should be no boundaries when it comes to love. So is that – we need to think through that. Is that true? Is that not true? Because the culture is happy to teach our kiddos that. Tina Turner said, it's, Love is a secondhand emotion. 
And who needs a heart when you guys know it? A heart can be broken. Yeah, who needs a heart when it can be broken, right? <laughs> so, uh, so uh, anyway, it goes on. I said, if the if a, the Christian is not prepared to define the word love for the coming generations, the current culture of the day will gladly take upon its shoulders that responsibility from us. And so it is important what Dan's saying. Like, what do we mean when we say love? Because, and this is really true, just on a side note, parenthetical thought here. For any word that you run into in the scripture, in the Bible, that, um, that, you know, is a key theme, you know, in the passage you're reading in, it could be pride, it could be judgment, the word judgment. Um, you, you should stop. We auto, we automatically take into that passage our definition in 2021 of what we mean judgment to be, or what we mean love to be, or what we mean pride to be. Or I was even reading recently. You think about the word argument. Like we think of the word. A lot of people think of the argue, word argument now as fighting. And I was reading some C.S. Lewis um, debates and discussions, and and they use the word to mean. A, a, a discussion on opposing views that you end the discussion by having a meal together and laughing and talking. So it's mm-hmm. not a fight where you're coming at each other. It's like um, it was a way of expressing yourself. So anyway, so we lay, we we'll, we'll bring in we'll import our own ideas about a term into you know and we'll lay it on top of a passage or or whatever. Correct. And it totally can 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 alter what the intended meaning of that passage was. And so we just got to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, um, yeah, so anyway, just thinking through um, real quickly, in, in, the, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, there's different words that are used for our English word, L-O-V-E, with different meanings and connotations and expectations. And so when we read the in the Bible, so let's just look at the New Testament, uh, the word love, we should stop and ask, what love is God talking about? And I'll just give you a few really quickly, see if you guys know them. So there's like, there's storge is a Greek word, storge love. And that speaks to family love, the love that's expressed between family members, blood family. Um then there's phileo love. Have you guys heard this one? Yeah, is that the that's like the friendship brotherly love, right? Yeah, the brotherly love. That even like you think of uh, Philadelphia as the city, city of brotherly, of brotherly love. kindness. Yeah, yeah, brotherly love. Hey, so, if you're if you're an Eagles fan, though, um, that's yeah. not necessarily true. Of you. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I've, I, they, they those are the fans that have thrown they throw batteries at people. Wow, or like snowballs at Santa or whatever. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, so that's the, but they they're not living up to the name phileo love. So right, exactly. Phileo is brotherly, you know. The expression also covers friendship love, the love that would be expressed between friends. And there's different expectations and thoughts that come with that. Anyway, uh, there's eros love, eros love, which is where we get the word erotic, um, which is a physical, romantic love that can be expressed, and obviously that comes with boundaries or no boundaries, depending on how you're going to use the word. But when we when the Bible's talking about it, we got to understand what word is they meaning here? What are they talking about here? And then, of course, probably the most common word that maybe you've heard, you didn't know, you didn't know you knew your Greek, but agape. Um, in, the, in the Old Testament, it's chesed. In the New Testament, it's agape. And that is the sacrificial, completely selfless love um, a divine love. It really has to have a divine source to, you know, God introduces this concept of love, which is an unconditional, um, the, if you guys read the 
have ever read, and I encourage listeners to do it, the, the Jesus Storybook Bible, the little kid's Bible. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And it's just interesting to see how they explain stuff. And they explain God's covenant-keeping, uh, hased, agape love as his forever love. Um, it's a love that can't be removed or taken away. He, 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 It's a binding love. And then we can try to express, we're, we're called as Christians to express that type of love, but we have to be connected to God because it's it's divinely, uh, it's the source is divine, right? So those are those different types of love. And it's just important to kind of to say, well, all right, if we're going to talk about that in in the, going back to Sean's question, built for love, um, that's the title of this. So the question is, well, what type of love would we be talking about? And then the certain text that um, David took us through, what type of love is it talking about there? And that's important to kind of identify. Would you guys agree? Um, yeah, I love that. And one of the things I love about diving a little bit deeper into the different types of love is as you look at those different contexts, they're all very actionable things, you know, like our love towards family, our love towards friends, our love towards Jesus, you know, our physical love. As we talk about those descriptions, all of them, it's not a, it's not just a feeling for us to have, right? Instead, I think of it more like these are different tools. Think of like a Phillips head screwdriver or a flathead screwdriver or an Allen key or whatever it is. God gives us different toolings to be able to do different things. In this context, we we have these different different definitions of love. And I just like I like that because like you said, Jason, just culture just twists things really easily. And our understanding culturally of love is just so different. And it really, I think, comes down to how we feel about things, how it's making us on the inside. Whereas scripture is so clear. No, no. Of course, we should have emotions attached to it. But love is, first and foremost, it's a thing of action. You know, there's a there's a Vody Bauckham quote that, I mean, it's a little sterile sounding, but I like it because he's really clear about it when he talks about love in marriage context and the father and all these things. He says, love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. And that can mm-hmm. be a lot of things. It can be God. It can be your wife. It can be your friends or whatever it is. But yeah, I just love thinking about with that, just what are we to be doing with this? You know, what are what are our actions here? Well, that's uh, that's the exact right thing to be talking about. To, to that's the exact right question. And and uh, one of the things I wrote down that David said on Sunday was, he said to love someone is to do what is best for them, mm. to do what's best for that person. And uh, he brought us to First Corinthians thirteen, which a lot of times we hear in the context of a wedding ceremony, but to look at it in, you know, the immediate context, talking about how we are to love each other in the household of God. Right. And if you do look at that word, (coughs) the Greek term in there is that agape love. So it's that divine, um, heavenly love that only comes from God, right. That forever love that you were talking about. Yeah. And when you look at that passage, there is a lot of great action in there and there's, you know, each, each one is almost like a little check, you know, it can act as like a little, a little inventory for ourselves and just mm-hmm. to ask ourselves, you know, am I being patient? Am I being kind? Am I, am I always seeking m- my own, uh, you know, needs and desires or, or am I, um, am I irritable? <laughs> you know, am I, am I rejoicing with the truth? Am I bearing all things, all these things, right? They're, they're very action oriented mm-hmm. and we can really picture ourselves or, or even maybe you know, think of how we've been living and just say, you know, are we, are we doing these things for other people? Um, because really that's, that's, 
what how love is defined by by God and by in in all throughout Scripture is it's, it's this sacrificial love, right? It's it's me giving of myself for somebody else's benefit, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I think I, I think as we as we learn about um, more about the church and who we are and how we are to be with one another, um, he's going to keep coming back to to that fact. Yeah, and I, and I think that's even the practice of what we were just doing about asking, you know, you asking what love we're we talking about. You just said the love in that first Corinthians passage is agape love, which we either have to take Dan's word for it, or we have to go looked it up. And I know Dan would have looked it up. And so he, he's, you know, that's important to do that because that would be an example. If I can just take a moment to say that I can remember a, I was probably, I was new to the faith and I was helping out at a middle school ministry at a different church I was a really young believer, and I remember a middle school student said something to the effect, I don't remember all the words, but they like were, we were looking at this passage, and they were like, that's not true. And I was like, what do you mean that's not true? Mm-hmm. And I remember them saying, like, when it talks about it doesn't, it does, it's not arrogant, it doesn't insist on its own way, you know, it's always going to come through, it always is going to endure, it never fails, love, love, love. And he, and he was basically like, no, it's failed me lots. Mm-hmm. And there's been situations that people haven't come through, and they said they love me, and and I really didn't know what to say. Like, I didn't know what to say. Like, he's like, so it doesn't work here. Like, look at this. And I didn't have, you know, I, I, I'm i sure I fumbled through something where <laughs> he just needed to be reassured and loved. And and in the sense that I was like, well, I probably said, well, you know, love in its perfect form does those things. And, and it is true. I'm sorry that you've been hurt in those ways. And, you know, whatever. I can't remember what I said. But um, I hope the Lord was with me in loving him. But uh you know, to be able to look at it now, he's right if it, if, we're, if we're talking about other types of love. But this is an agape love. So what it's saying is the divine love that comes from God, it is these things. It 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 is always patient. It's always kind. It doesn't, you know, it will always come through. It never fails. And when in the context that Sean was saying that and David used this, he's asking us in First Corinthians, the church, to function in this type of love with each other. So I'm actually going to – it's incapable of me, Dan, and Sean to practice this love with each other and with our families and with and do what Dan's saying. Dan, what you're saying, which is was live for other people's benefit. Right. It, it would be – we're going to fail in these areas if we're not connected to the source of this type of love. Like that's the only hope we have. So maybe, maybe that would be a good thing to kind of throw around is like, you know, how, trying to love someone in our own – strength and will versus like what does it look like to love someone connected to God like is that just christian words or what does it look like you know what i mean yeah man i mean going back to the my analogy of like the tool thing i'm going to recant that because i don't like thinking about it that way actually as oh god gives us a screwdriver because you know that's something we use in a certain time and place when we need it but to answer your question jay man god's design for us as, as his people is not just to love in certain contexts, you know, but it's to live an entire lifestyle of love. The mm-hmm. way of life, the way of Jesus is a way of love. And, you know, I was reading recently and or this quote that I think is kind of fitting about how a lot of us view love in the Christian community. And, you know, I was talking to you guys earlier, I think so many of us are, we excel at being loving and embodying these things on Sunday mornings or when our small group buddies are over or whatever, 
But then when we're at work, you know, or we're at a bar with a friend or at Safeway and someone just cut us off in the parking lot or whatever it is, we just, we don't do these things. And so I love this quote from Dallas Willard and it says, our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in loving our enemies, going that extra mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and hopefully while living the rest of our lives, just as everyone else around us does. And that's a strategy that's bound to fail. And when I think about people who I consider them like warriors for Christ, you know, we all have those people in our lives who just, you, you make, man, they're doing so much for the kingdom. All of them to me that I've experienced, that's such a key marker is they're, they're living a, a lifestyle of love. It's mm-hmm. not compartmentalized. It's not piecemealed, but all air, all arenas of their life, they're working on this. They're working on being a loving person. And of course, we're talking right now about our, our church community, but we know that goes outwards too in the way that we demonstrate Jesus to those around us. So yeah, I'm just thinking about that that kind of lifestyle mm-hmm. versus practicing here and there type of love. Yeah, I, I think about reflection. I think that's a helpful kind of thing for us to picture when we're talking about this kind of love and sharing it with others. And the idea is, you know, God, God is love. We just, we established that. And he, he has this perfect forever covenant keeping love. And what we want to train ourselves to do is to reflect that love to the world. And you cannot reflect something that you're not standing in front of. (laughs) You can't reflect something that you're not near to, that you're not close, close with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, just daily having that communion with God, you know, through spiritual disciplines, through habits of, of the heart, through uh, living in community. And, and um, there's a doorbell uh, <laughs> through living through community and just being around the family of God and, um, you know, abiding in God's word. And, and, and that's how we, we stay close so that when people see us, they see, they see God. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, hopefully, you know, this, I mean, hopefully this is helpful for people listening just to have the right grid and the right frame of mind, the right launch point, even, you know, as we talk about love, because, um, just to kind of bring it back to, um, this series that we're going through, because, you know, we, when we, when we're talking about the church, um, there's these word pictures that, that David gave us, um, from scripture that man, you know, at least, um, the, you know, I think about the bride of Christ and the household of God, the, those two men just scream out love, you know, and, and David was talking about that there's this design and there's this drive and then there's this outcome, right? And so maybe, maybe we can start to, to, to get into those word pictures a little bit and just talk about what were some things as we were listening to the message that, um, were helpful, you know, as we're, as we're seeking to, um, experience this kind of love in inside the context of of our church family. So, what, what do you guys think? What were some things that were particularly helpful, or maybe some things that you thought about while David was walking us through those? Yeah, and just maybe right before we get started talking about them specifically, um, if you look at David's teaching notes, the first reflection question there, he asked us to, to look at these word pictures and kind of compare them to our relationship with Christ and do some reflecting. And I think David's point there is to get us doing that thinking process of like Dan was saying, am I standing near Jesus? You know, mm. as I look at these different arenas and these different descriptions of the church versus Jesus and God, is this true for me in my life? Am I living this? So as we talk about this right now, think about it and just process alongside us 
How does this sit with you? Is this convicting you? Are you feeling right on? And maybe that'll be a, a useful uh, time as we t- chat about these different word pictures. Well, one of the things that struck me was the the intimacy of the bride of Christ. You know, that's hard to get your head around if you're, especially as a man, you're not a bride. But but it's it is speaks to a very arguably the most intimate relationship that you can have as a human, right? Right. Um, so it's one of the ways that we, it, you know, if I'm if I'm in a show later later I'm I'm a conduit. That's that's kind of what we've been talking about. I'm a conduit of God's love, this agape love, a certain type of love. But if I'm you know going to be a conduit, I've got to be connected to Christ, like we've talked about, we've, and. One of the ways that he, that God helps us illustrate that is is a way of, is like a marriage. So it's like I, I think about my own marriage, like what what makes it a fruitful or intimate relationship in terms of being connected, talking. If, like, what if we didn't talk? What if I didn't spend time together? What if we, you know, that would it would it would we wouldn't be gardening our our relationship. Um, what if we didn't share our struggles or ask, you know you know, for prayer or whatever, all the different things that that help guard in a relationship. Um, deal with things that when we have doubts or, stru- you know, or, you know, you know, um, disagreements or whatever it is. So if I'm not, I, basically on a fundamental level, I'm caring. We're showing a time and effort and care in a relationship. Um, and so I just think about, like, how does that translate to my relationship with, with Christ, you know? How do, how do you guys maybe show that time and care and effort? with Christ would be a question. Yeah. And it's good. It's a good question. And it's, and it's, it's interesting too, because the, the word picture that, that we get there from Ephesians five is, I don't know. There's two kinds of elements to it, right? There's, there's the, the communal side that, that the church universal um, and the local expression of that universal church, so Valley Bible Church and the Church of Christ, we are collectively the bride of Christ, mm-hmm. right? Right? Yeah. Um, but then Paul, you know, um, he makes it very personal as well. And because he says, he says, hey, you know, in your marriage, in your in your um, relationship with your wife, you're to think of of Christ in the church as well. And so mm-hmm. there's kind of two layers to it or two dimensions to it. And so I think it's really important for us to make sure that that we we don't disconnect those, right? So our intimacy with Christ is a personal endeavor. There's certain things that that are happening at the soul level that my 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 church family, my brothers and sisters, uh, my small group, my the elders, the teaching pastors, they can't facilitate that for me. I have to go, I have to a personal, I have to personally abide with Christ Mm -hmm. and personally have a devotion to God. Um, But there's also a communal element to that as well. And I think sometimes um, people based on their personality or their experiences, they maybe will, will be heavy on, on one area of that. Um, and, and maybe neglect the other area of it. And so, and this is something we talked about in our, in our series, our together series is that these, all of these, these things that we see in scripture, we're not meant to pursue them, mm-hmm. uh, indiv- just individually. Right. They're, there's, they're meant to be pursued in the context of community, but on the same, on, on, the, on the other hand, we're not meant to just experience them in, in the context of community and then 
disengage and not dis ever disengage and go into the secret place. And so I think for, it's so important when you read through the new Testament that there's this, there's this both and that we're, we're disengaging, we're, we're going into that secret place where we're, we're, you know, we're, we're going to um, our prayer closet and being alone with, with the savior, but we're also super connected to um, the life of God through the, a body of believers. Um, So I think, you know, I think it's both in and and another thing just on that, um, just on that word picture of the bride of Christ that really struck me is David, David said to me, if we really think about this reality that we are the bride of Christ, it'll inspire us. It'll, it'll like elicit certain types of response. Mm. If we actually consider it and think about it deeply um, it will it will motivate us to a greater purity and a greater devotion to God, mm-hmm. um, and and even even for us men who who you know we're we're not we don't typically think like you said Jason of ourselves as a bride, but but we can kind of put ourselves in that sh- in our sh- in those shoes you know and we can yeah. kind of think about it in a term in terms that will um, inspire and motivate um, a, a deeper intimacy with God. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Yeah. It, I agree with everything you said, Dan. And I think just to add to that, you know, when, when God uses analogies like that, my expectation is normally that like, yeah, A, that informs something about marriage for me. And then B, I can look at my marriage hopefully and use that to inform my relationship with Jesus. You know, it's a two way street. And so I look mm-hmm. at my relationship with my wife, who is my bride, you know, and we love each other so much. And when I look at Patty, who is my bride, and she she loves me, one of the things that she cherishes more than anything um, almost is time alone with me, you know, is is intimate time alone with me where we're doing nothing but being together, mm-hmm. you know. And the way that she yearns for that from me, A, I need to be, grow as a husband and make that happen more. But B, man, that that to me informs the picture of our heart towards Christ, you know? And I think this is such a, a, a fundamental piece of the puzzle when it comes to living a lifestyle of love. And like lastly, we talked about this a lot, is if we're not as Christ's bride yearning for that time with him and making that time with him, we're missing out. Like, I love that you said, Dan, that like people can't, when it comes to marriage, people can't just give this to us, you know, like this is, it's a personal thing that we have to do. And if you're living in a marriage, maybe some of you listening are, are this describes you, you're in a marriage and you're not having any of those things. You know, you're not experiencing that quiet alone time with your spouse. And maybe there's tension. Maybe you don't, you're not having physical intimacy because of that. That's not God's design for your marriage. And I'm sure that you're feeling the effects of that. And so isn't it the same with our relationship with Christ? There is a design for how we're meant to operate and abide with Christ and, and and take up his yoke. And when we don't do that, we don't live that lifestyle, uh, we know it. We feel it. You know, those of you who are out there and you're dealing with things and you're dealing with hardship or you're struggling with anxiety or depression, whatever it is, like, I'm sure you feel the effects of when things aren't right according to how God designed you. I think this is just one of those ways. Right. And, and then even to for those of you that are not married, that leads us to, you know, the, the, the other example was the household of God from Ephesians 2.19. And um, part of being a part of a family or a household of God 
is we get exposed to lots of different types of relationships. So I don't think we have to be married. I don't think any of us are saying that in order to make a bridge to what is it like to be the bride of Christ, you know, those kind of things like that, that helps. But we have access by being a part of a, part of a family of God to look at and observe marriages and observe all, not just marriages, but all sorts of type of relationships, one of them being marriages. And really, you know, single people, you guys know, um, you know when a marriage when you when uh, there's a type of marriage that you're like wow they're they're they they seem connected they're that's the type if I if I if God does have me be married one day if that's part of His plan for me then that's the type of marriage I want um, those are the type of people I want to be around they seem mm-hmm. like connected and so you can observe what what um, you know what it means to care and nurture that type of relationship so that's part of being a part of the household of God right Amen. yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. And, you know, it's really, it's really interesting too, because a lot of us, and David kind of alluded to this on Sunday, but, uh, you know, some, some of us have had, uh, you know, bad, <laughs> unhealthy, abusive, uh, you know, home lives, right? We've, we've, we've seen maybe some, we've been abandoned or we've, um, there was just dysfunction or whatever. And um, I think it's really powerful just to think about um, this, I don't know, this just amazing like place of shelter and healing and refuge that, that the church can be and, and is for people that, that maybe don't, don't have that support in their, with their blood relatives. And, um, you know, I also think it really connects to the Ephesians four passage that, that, um, David brought us to on Sunday, just, um, about the, the body of Christ, you know, and, and just how there's, there's this household in which Christ is the head. And then, and there's this body in which Christ is the head. And I really love what David said. He's, he said, um, you know, if, if Jesus is not at the head, it is not the church. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you think about, man, just the kind of like, love and healing and safety and blessing and favor that, that comes from a a household where Christ is the head. Um, and, and, and you think about the, just the, the health and the, and the functionality and just the, the, um, I don't know, just how, how amazing it can be when, when, when a body's like doing what it's supposed to be doing, when all the parts are working together and, and everything's healthy and, 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 and gelling together. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, th- these word pictures to me, as I was listening, uh, I felt like, man, this is so, this is such a great design by God. It's so, um, it, it gets me pumped up. It should inspire us. It should. And and I, and I think that was one of the things that that I constantly go back to is when I look at how scripture defines the church, what I end up walking away with is an elevated view of, Mm. of what the church is. And I think, you know, there's a lot of bad news out there (laughs) about what's happening in the church. You know, there's um, heroes of the faith who, who turn out to be, you know, sexual predator. Um, There's, there's infidelity. um, And so church leader needs to step down. There's division. There's, 
uh, corruption. There's, I mean, all these headlines of people doing awful things in the name of, of Christ. For, cl- and, for clarity, you're speaking of the universal church. Yes, not, 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 not Valley, not not Valley Bible Church. But yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of bad news out there. You know, we, I feel like the church gets a lot of bad press. Do you guys agree? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and we don't know a lot of times here. Um, I mean, we, we see, we see those stories of when the, when God's design is not embraced. Right. And you get this, you get these outcomes that are, you know, devastating. Um, and, and I, I just, th- I think that can kind of wear on us and it can, it can make us maybe even subconsciously, like it, it, it kind of erodes our view of, of, of God's church. Do you guys know what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so when we, when we come to these passages and we see, no, 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 this, this is what it's supposed to be. Um, and then we think about how it's been expressed to us at Valley Bible Church, you know, in, in these positive ways, I think it can, it can, it can raise our, our view, our elevation of the church. We're like, you know, this is, this is good. This is, this is God's, um, he, you know, he's making his appeal to the world through, through his church. You know, this is, this is, this is good. And I think we need that to hear that message. Um, I don't know if I'm alone, I'll, I'll, maybe I need to work on it myself, but I, I think it's easy to get discouraged about, mm. about the church, you know? Mm. So I walked away on Sunday, like feeling, feeling inspired instead. Well, you did say that, but that's how you kind of closed out Sunday. Remember you, yeah. you, you talked about just seeing, having an elevated view and, um, and that, that encourages you. So that's good. Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, you know, maybe I don't know how much time we have left, but just maybe kind of looking at the third sub point of David's second point. So I guess C, it says, "Our." I'll read it to you guys. Our love mutually benefits others within the body, which that's what we've been talking about a little bit. And Dan mentioned the body. And, but then the second part, distinguishing Christians as a unique community. So that's a pretty important one. You know, and, and then you look at John thirteen thirty five when Jesus said, uh, you know, 13, uh, 34 and 35, where he said, I want you, he's talking to his disciples, I want you to love one another. And then he said, I'm paraphrasing, in the same way that I loved you. So I want you to think about how I treated you, how I spoke to you, how I interacted with you, um, my actions with you. I want you to love each other that way. And if you love each other that way, then the rest of the world who don't yet trust me or the validity of my teachings will recognize that you've spent time with me. And that's my paraphrase, but 35 says, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love. And this mm-hmm. love is that we have to ask what love, and it's, we look it up, and it's this agape love for one another. And so, um, yeah, I just think that that agape love is so contrary to the rest of the world's... I think sometimes the world secular world has a sacrificial love, expressions of sacrificial love. But sometimes, especially in our culture now, love means you do whatever makes me feel good, mm. right? So that means you don't say something that's counter <laughs> right. to, and that that's, you know, I, you know I've you know i talked, to, there's not a month that goes by in, in young adult ministry that I'm not talking to some college student or, or, or um, you know, post-college student, that post-college young adult who's trying to figure out how do they love someone that they're a friend of or related to that is actually doing something harmful, but the world applauds it or certain people applaud it. And then they're trying to say, how do, if I say anything, then it's like the person's like, you don't love me. So it's, so that's a tough place that does make us unique as a unique community. 
as we define love, right? Would you guys? Yeah, that that's one of the things that I that I was really struck by, and and that was one of the things I think David asked us to do is, you know, think about all of the people in your life that where where you ex, you would say this person genuinely loves me. This person has displayed this, you know, a commitment to me, um, a consistency. Um, and then ask yourself, you know, has that person ever told me something like hard, <laughs> you know, has that person ever like, um, given me a, a hard truth? And my, my bet is if you're thinking clearly about it, if you're honest about it, you would say, man, that, that there's a, there's a strong correlation there <laughs> mm-hmm. between the people that, that love me, really love me, um, you know, in a biblical way, in a godly way. And the, you know, the people that speak the, the truth to me and, and I could, I could look at both of you guys and say, man, you guys have both said some hard truths to me, um, in a, in a loving way. Hmm. Um, and you know, gone through that, that hard, awkward conversation. Um, and I, you know, I may not have enjoyed it in the moment, but I can look back and, 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 and even in the back of my head, I could say, these guys are doing this for my benefit, you know? Hmm. Um, and it's funny cause I think sometimes when we look at that Ephesians four fifteen, you know, uh, speaking the truth in love, uh, <laughs> sometimes it can be maybe abused a little bit. You know, we could say something harsh or rude or, or mean and then say, I love you, but I love you mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Hey Jason, uh, you know, you're, you're a jerk, mm-hmm. but I love you. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's not necessarily speaking the truth in love. You know, there's, there's a, there's a gracious, um, humble, uh, way to go about doing that. But, um, you know, I think, I think we, we need that in the body of Christ. We need that in the household of God. If we want to grow, if we want to become more like Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, you know, I'm just thinking about, you know, your point, Dan, of those people who have shamed the church, you know, or have damaged, they've been bad witnesses to Jesus. How many of those situations were people quiet, you know, like how many of those mm-hmm. people were their loved ones near them and, and they didn't speak the truth in love, you know? I think about that, just that process. And yeah, we've all, we've all, I think, or a lot of us have been in those situations like you're describing, Jason, where we love this person, um, but they're either they're wronging us or they're just living a lifestyle of sin or whatever it is. And I get it, guys. It's, it's hard, especially today. My culture today is not kind to speaking truth against someone's opinions, you know, cancel culture. We're living in it. And people, I think, are fearful of, having someone cut them out of their lives because they, they spoke truth, you know, or they tried to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I can totally empathize, but you know, just with that in mind, um, you know, the scripture is clear. Scripture is clear about what we need to be doing. And like Dan said, you got, I mean, Ephesians four, the beginning of it, you got to do it with, with humility and gentleness and with patience. That's mm-hmm. the first thing we're called to do in that process of, of speaking the truth and love. And it goes on to say, just, having that pursuit of, of, of the unity, you know, unity in the bonds of peace. And so much of the way that we say things and handle things can really communicate or miscommunicate that, you know? Um, I mean, this is a little bit hand practical, but if you're going to have one of these conversations, please, please, please don't do it over text message. It's just, (laughs) and and I get it. That's like, that's how we communicate these days in 2021, you know, we're all textures or whatever group, group me or Insta DMS or whatever. But I don't think that God intended for these types of conversations to be done not in person or on the phone or whatever, because it's a relational thing. 
You know, mm-hmm. you can't speak the truth in love if you're not able to show love, which I think you have to be able to do in a relational context, you know, in person or on the phone or whatever, because um, stuff can just so easily be uh, misunderstood. And so maybe, that, maybe that's a takeaway for you is do some praying. Is there someone in your life who you're, you're convicted of that you need to be having this conversation with? Is there someone in your life who has tried to have this conversation with you and they drop the ball and they hurt your feelings or whatever it is. And you know, all, I think all of us have some kind of interaction with this type of experience. And I think all of us can do some, some prayer and growth in the context of handling it, or maybe we need to go back and offer forgiveness and show grace or whatever it is. Um, yeah. But, but handling this with humility and with gentleness in the pursuit of, like you said, Jason, in the beginning of, of this is what sets us apart guys when the world and culture looks at us and how we handle these things, that's what separates us from the world. That's our calling mm-hmm. card for, for Jesus Christ's transformation in our lives. Amen. Yeah, that's Amen. really, yeah. really good. And, and I'll add to that, um, just a little, a little challenge. And that's, uh, <clears throat> one of the things that the David kind of left us with was this, this concept from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And, and it's, it, you know, it's this, um, this command to, to consider how, how we can stir up one another towards love and good deeds. Right. And so, um, a challenge to all of our listeners, all of our beholders is really think deeply. Cause that's that word consider. Consider isn't just like, Oh, I'll think about it. You know, maybe if I have time, no, like to consider is to really pause press pause on life, stop and meditate and think deeply about ways that we can stir up one another, that we can encourage each other, inspire each other to, to love and good works. And so, um, it's always, uh, great to just take a small step to just do the next thing. And so make that a challenge for you, maybe between now and, and the next time you listen to this podcast, say, I'm going to a, think deeply about how I can stir people up and, um, and not stir the pot. Okay. That's because <laughs> I think that's maybe, uh, what we're really good at naturally, especially on Facebook. We're really good at stirring the pot. Um, so don't, I'm not talking about stirring the pot. Um, but, but how can we encourage people in our, in our household to, um, to love and good deeds and then to, to go ahead and, and, and do that, to ask God for the strength and the boldness and the conviction to do it. Um, and we'd love to hear, um, what happens as a result, you know, what is the outcome of you, uh, doing that? So, um, that's my challenge for everybody listening. It's a good challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a bit of a call out here, but I just want to reemphasize, don't misuse this command. You know, I think a lot of us get this idea of, I need to speak the truth and love. And we equate that to, I need to speak up about anything that I disagree with, you know, that doesn't line up with what I think is true. And just when in doubt, not even when in doubt, always just use scripture, use God's word as your basis for what are the things you need to be speaking up over. You know, if you can find a a passage in the Bible about whether or not someone should be a Democrat or Republican, by all means, use that and call them out. But until you do... That's not one of those things we're talking about when it comes to speaking the truth in love. Jason, is there anything you want to add before we sign off here? No, I mean, you you, you kind of just threw me an alley-oop because, I, you know, Dan's saying 
Dan gave us the challenge, then you then you're giving this exhortation. Um and I'm what I was thinking about it was if I took Dan's challenge, I, I would want to spend some time evaluating am I in I know I'm in the word. Am I enjoying my time in the word? Am I doing it? Am I having like a cup of tea or something like that and sitting down with the, the word of God? Mm. And simply because of what Sean's saying, it doesn't say – I'm so tempted to say, to make it, to twist it, to think in my brain, speak my truth in love <laughs> right. or speak my opinion in love. And it doesn't say that. It says the truth, speaking the truth. And so there's this, there is this absolute truth found in Scripture the word of God. And if I don't know that, then I can't speak. I'm an ambassador. I'm speaking basically Jesus's truth, which is, you know, I've yielded to and submitted to, um, you know, in love, not Jason's, you know, truth or, you know, like we, you can hear, you can just hear everybody saying, well, that's your truth, you know. And really, I'm, um, yeah, I just want to, so how do I do that? I need to spend time in the Word so that it becomes a natural overflow to stir up other people in love and good works and to speak something as a, as an ambassador, a representative of the truth. Amen. Yeah, That's good, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Okay, guys, well, what a great discussion it's been. And man, we hope that you'll take this and and do some prayer and do some reflection and do some some time with Jesus this week. You know, like we talked about, you are the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And so as you go from this podcast and start praying, like we talked about, ask yourself, what kind of spouse am I to Christ? You know, am I, am I making time to be alone with him? Am I caring for him and being faithful to him the way that I would my husband or wife? Uh, and even more so because it's Jesus. Thanks, Dan and Jason, for being on. Thanks, you listeners, for joining us. We love you guys, and we'll tune in with you next week. Bye. Love you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.